truth be told, I actually don't remember how we start these, so what's up everyone? And welcome to episode 64, or episode Nintendo 64, of the Real Talk Game Explain podcast. I reversed that, but whatever, we're rolling with it. It's late, I don't care. <laughs> we are joined this week by Tom, which is pretty rare. In fact, I don't think we've ever had this. You and me, Tom, alone together on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's episode 64 that is the main thing to take away here so we have some uh fun topics i think that tie into that because people picked up on that a lot faster than i did so i'm glad others picked up on the fact it's episode 64 but we'll yeah. get to that soon tom how are you doing good sir have you recovered from the e3 yet I have recovered as much as one can recover after E3, after shaving off part of his life force and then giving it to the E3 gods. Yeah, that's, that's always the toughest part, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that you recovered. Um, E3 does have the way of just consuming your soul. You know, there's really not much, not much that can be done about that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so yeah, have you done much exciting in your? How long's it? It's been about. You've been back for a little bit less than a week now, right? So. Yeah, I. I does. I don't think so. I I set up a Kindle, and I didn't get killed buying something off Craigslist. So mm-hmm. maybe that's as far as the excitement goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about it for me too. My, yeah. my past week hasn't been terribly exciting. Uh, I started start working on the Mario analysis. We'll see how that goes. Uh, yeah. I did see. I actually did see some movies. Some early, uh, some early screenings I got. So I get these random Ooh. invites sometimes from like game companies. Sometimes I'm just part of some like email list for early screenings. So I saw. Uh, I started off seeing freaking Transformers, which is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually like the first Transformers, but they progressively get worse and worse. I didn't see four though. Uh, and five wasn't good at all. It felt like a four-hour movie. Um, it's a two-and-a-half-hour movie that felt like a four-hour movie. Although, I yeah. will say, they have one awesome character being this yeah. butler character. He was pretty great. Um, is he Alfred in robot form? That's, that's exactly who he is. Yeah, he's like a slightly, he's like a slightly demented, demented uh, version of Alfred in robot form. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so, yeah, you don't need to see that. It wasn't very good. The, in fact, you know what the biggest thing is? Transformers are all, are all about... Uh, fighting robots, right? It's like in yep. the song, right? Uh, there is a serious lack of fighting robots in this. Like, there's a lot what? of there's a lot of robots, not so much fighting robots. Is it just an army running around fighting things, and but is it actually a story in there? Oh God, the story is a complete mess. So there is a story. I don't remember. I couldn't tell you much about it. So. Well, oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, truth be told, I haven't seen Transformers Four because I've only seen the first movie. Yeah, well, that's, I mean that's the best one. To, that's the only one you need to see. And by and even that's liberal. You don't need to see it. But if there is yeah. one to see. It'd be that one. Uh, there's also a a serious lack of Optimus Prime. He is barely in this movie, which is so sad to me. He's not even dead. He, uh, he's he's not he's not dead per se. He but he's not himself. Uh, but even then, even no matter what form Optimus Prime comes in, he's barely in those movies, so it doesn't matter. Um, but beyond that, the following day, I actually went to go see Baby Driver, uh, which is a movie I knew almost nothing about. Uh, and, I, and I won't say too much about it, but I think it might be best going in not knowing much about it. But it was yeah. pretty great. That's an action movie done right. Has a really good style to it, um, it and it had some big actors I didn't know were in it, like uh, John Hamm and... Um, Oh god, there's someone else I'm missing too. I forget. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I'm forgetting. I'm drawing a blank right now. But yeah, it, I, really good action movie. I think I read it was some famous teenage actor who's grown up now. Mm-hmm. 
maybe that's the guy in the movie. I don't know. I, I'm I'm gonna not read about it and just be surprised. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So let's move on to things we actually know about. And I figured we could do a quick like our our own personal wrap up slash overview of E3. We had our okay. you know, we had our day one and day two wrap up as a group, but I wanted to get a little bit more in depth here with you, Tom. Like, what did you think of this year's E3 overall? And yeah. Oh man, where were the indie games? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> Start off with that one. They uh, maybe big companies found out they don't actually make money off them, or they don't attract fans. I don't know. Uh, other than that, it was busier for sure. But compared to TGS, it was doable. I'd say, although I, I didn't get to play rabbits because of the lines. Uh, other than that. It, it was nice that Nintendo's booth had more than one game, but there still wasn't a ton there. I guess we were spoiled, spoiled from those years when they had uh, four-player multiplayer games, and you just roll through them like crazy. That's true. Smash was a, yeah. yeah, Smash was a great year for that. Did you make it to the South Hall at all? Like maybe I actually did. Yeah, yeah I actually walked around um, uh, a little bit, a small amount. I did walk. I did do a quick tour of it. So. Did you get to play any games there? No. <laughs> yeah, that South Hall was, I think, was worse than West Hall for actually playing games. So I guess let's let's talk about that real quick. And I know we already touched on it a little bit before, but this yeah. was the first year of E3 being open to the public to some degree. I think they let in fifteen yeah. to twenty thousand people, um, and beyond that, E3 itself has been growing year over year. I think, um, which to be fair, like they had shrunk it a lot, you know, five or six years ago, or I guess during ten they, years ago. But then they've been growing since then. Uh, and now they're adding the public into it. So what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Um, I think I think it wasn't too bad with the public there because in previous years there were always fans that just you know managed to get in through a pass in some way. Mm-hmm. However, it kind of... I feel it shifts the focus a bit from the companies there and they still have to figure out a good solution between fans and the uh, press. Because, I mean, it, it makes it harder for us to cover games for sure. So, for us, it's bad. Technically, <laughs> <laughs> the fans, I mean, it's great seeing them. And it's great seeing their enthusiasm. Uh, but it comes with the ga- playing games perspective. It's going to be more about setting up meetings and appointments to make sure that happens. No, that really is the case. Um, you're, you're totally right. And for, for press, to be fair, uh, well, actually, yeah, I can only speak from our perspective. I mean, yeah. luckily, we're able to generally make appointments with whoever we want. Uh, the problem is we don't we don't usually make that many appointments because we just, I mean we just haven't needed to before. Like we make the appointments with Nintendo, uh, and yeah. then everyone else we can usually see on the show floor. This is a year I'm like, damn. In hindsight, we should have made more appointments because yeah, getting in line or just waiting in line for anything was a lot tougher this year than before. Um, luckily, we still you know we, as I mentioned, we have appointments with Nintendo, uh, and we were fortunate enough to get two for just checking out their um, their their content whereas i think most outlets typically get one so that helped yeah. because they had a lot of games that were showing off too and their typical 45 minute to an hour long uh, appointment times is not enough to see everything they have so no. especially because we ran into a problem on day one where our fire emblem footage didn't work at all uh which was annoying so we had to go back and recapture that again but yeah and like in a case like uh, raymond uh not raymond uh rabbits mario and rabbits kingdom battle that demo alone is 20 minutes so that's half your time slot right there in one game Yep. Yeah. So yeah, making appointments is a point is important, um, but it sucks that we have to do that. And also, you know, I it kind of sucks as fans too, because if you're paying to get into E3, 
uh, as a side effect of that, you're also waiting in longer lines than you would have in years past if you found an alternate an alternative way of getting in. Because the thing is about E3, like it used to be, if you wanted to get in, you could get in. Like it wasn't yeah. that hard. Like I'm talking <laughs> no. like 10 years, you know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, it was super easy to get in. And now they've really started cracking down. Because it's funny, because we've, we've had, um, like when we were smaller, even just probably four years ago. Like, we had yeah. a fight to get everyone in. We had a fight to get everyone in. That was a pain in the butt. Uh, luckily, now we're at a size that we haven't had any trouble all getting in as many people as we wanted. But um, for, for smaller outlets, it's tough to cover the show because they'll only allow, like, one, maybe two of you to come in. And yeah. I feel sorry for them because it sucks. It's like a, uh, a feedback loop. Like, how do you get bigger if you can't adequately, adequately cover a show, right? It's, it's Yeah, we can't... We kept meeting that guy that was uh, by himself from what was it, Nintendo Life or uh, I forget, but he was just there by himself covering the show. I'm like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and now yeah, that was his first year, so yeah, good times. Um, you know, I will say besides that, besides the fact that the lines were longer, uh, they weren't horrible. Like they weren't no. the worst things ever. At least in for the Nintendo booth, that's the one I can mostly speak to. I I know like um. Sea of Thieves, I think, filled up, right? Like, they cut off that line. Didn't yeah, they? I actually I actually tried to wait in another line for when the line would be open again. And what happened, they just had some big guys just sort of standing around the entrance, milling around. And, uh, yeah, that screwed that up. So I just, I left. <laughs> and it, they only had maybe, like, enough spots for maybe one or two groups in their line by the looks of it, too. Like, they did not leave a lot of room for the Lions, I think they'll reorganize their booth next year. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. I think there. I think we will see some. I think we will see some things handled differently next year because this is kind of like a, a a growing process for the show, and I don't know if they were fully prepared uh, for no. it. Um, in fact, even at Nintendo's booth, we saw how they changed the um, how they were handling the Lions from day one to day two because yeah. day day one. <laughs> So in a chaos. way, it is, yeah, it was complete chaos. Like you could not, you could not adequately walk around on that show floor. Uh, at the same time, I kind of liked it because it was actually pretty easy to hop into a random Mario line and not have to wait too long. But yeah. ultimately, on day two, they changed how they kind of reverted to how they did it for day one, or rather, sorry, for Zelda last year, where they had one massive line for um, for Mario, uh, like had, like they what like what they did with Zelda, and I actually kind of like that. Um, it definitely made the show floor way more manageable to get around. And even if you had to wait maybe a little bit longer, it wasn't that bad of a wait in general. I think if you were there in, there in the morning, it might have been like two hours, but by like noon, it was like down to down to an hour, if not 50 minutes. Um, yeah. I think that was handled pretty well. Uh, so we already saw how they coped with that, and I hope they continue to uh, expand upon that you know, in the future. Um, like I think even day one, just getting into the show floor was kind of insane, but that's to be expected, you know. Yeah, that's the stampede. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> running of the bulls. That's well, Ma- yeah, the Mario on day three for me, when I went in, it was only maybe 10 or 15 more minutes wait than on uh, day one, waiting in front of maybe f- waiting behind four people. So that was pretty good from a long line perspective. Yeah. So I'd take that. I'd live with that. It is. I mean, uh, to be honest, like, if you wanted to play game, if you want to play Nintendo games last year, that's more the perspective I can speak from. Last year was way freaking tougher because they only had one game. The demos were 40 minutes long, and that line was nuts. It got up to, like, six hours almost instantly, and they shut it down within the first 30, 40 minutes, I think, typically, where you couldn't get back, you couldn't get in the line. So it was yeah. a lot harder to play a Nintendo game last year than it was this year. It was like the DS and the Wii U. 
I wasn't there for the Wii, but I could assume it was probably similar at that point, too. Yeah, exactly. So, overall, Tom, how do you feel about this year's E3? Like, do you rank it pretty highly in general, or...? Uh, I rank it fourth or fifth out of the... Maybe fourth out of all 11 E3s I've gone to. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, and only only because, you know, maybe I couldn't easily play other games on day three right uh and uh maybe just because of our slight hiccups from time to time but yeah we had the way it goes we had some unfortunate technical hiccups this year uh that so people will never see me destroy bill and arms now Um, oh they we can see the end of that still oh that's true exists that's a good point we can still post that i just spoiled it though (laughs) it was should well who knows maybe he comes back (laughs) maybe it's close (laughs) yeah we should we should post that actually we uh we had direct feed it originally we don't have direct feed anymore but anyways yeah that was fun i you know i will say though one thing that actually made this this year's e3 for me better than some recent ones yeah. It was actually opening to the public because we've never before been able. To, we've never met this many fans at any convention ever before, um, because E3 is typically members of the press. Although, as I mentioned, if you really want to get in, even though they've buckled it down, like you can still get in. And also, it is catering more to enthusiasts now too, like with you know fellow YouTubers and whatnot. Um, so in years past, we would sometimes get recognized, but this year was like off the hook. Like we couldn't walk. Like, we couldn't walk past the, like, across the Nintendo show floor in any direction without being recognized at least three times, I feel like. Yeah, it was the highest concentration of possible fans yeah. in that area. And that's where we are the entire time. It so. is. And, but when we're not in the media room. And that was yeah. really cool. Like, I love meeting fans. Like, that is, like, the coolest thing in the world because, I don't know, it's just, it, it's one thing to, you know, read comments on YouTube, which is another to see people in real life, like, put a face to these, to these, uh, people tweeting at you or commenting on videos and it's really yeah. neat to see like that real world impact versus that completely online dynamic yeah it's like holy crap these are people that actually watch game explain and stuff it's like wow you know actually to meet them in person and sort of it hits home yeah of like that people you know actually do it it's like not just a number you see on the screen for the number of views or some terrible offhand comments. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a good point right there. Like all the comments a person are really nice. So like on YouTube, yeah. so that is nice. Um, so I I will say all things considered, despite my minor complaints with the lines, I don't think E3 was that was like that much worse this year in terms of like access. Like it's tougher for no. sure, but it wasn't like a complete uh, crap show, if you will. So. Yeah, that's for sure. It's definitely, if you compare it to TGS or something like that, that's still way harder to actually play a game. Unless it's the business day. Oh, now, yeah. if E3 opens the business day, that would be pretty sweet. So, two, you brought up two very important points that I wanted to touch on earlier and completely forgot about. One, yes, the show is not anywhere near what freaking TGS <laughs> is. Which, I swear to God, I will never do TGS again. Because that's just... I mean, you you did the show with me, or rather, I did it with you. Yeah. And you, you you probably remember me just giving up like two hours in. <laughs> yeah, and I just, just hunkered down. Yeah, I just sat, I literally just found the bench, sat down, and played Metro Prime Pinball for like six hours. I'm like, this is way better than standing in line for three hours for a single game. Um, so keep in mind that that was before the era of smartphones, so it was also harder to be entertained. But like, my back was killing me back then. I think we may have done that, I can't remember if that was pre-Disneyland or post-Disneyland. That Post two days post, of yeah, Disneyland. So, so that definitely needed help. My feet, my back were killing me. Um, I'm like, I'm just gonna go chill on the bench and play Metro Prime Pinball and have a 
have a ball, if you will, so... as opposed to standing in these lines. Um, also, Gamescom, also a complete disaster of a show in terms of like getting access. But they do do one thing, as you touched on, Tom, that's really important. I think TGS does as well. Press yep. days. E3 needs a press day now. That would solve like that would solve my, all my issues with it. Give like add a, add an extra day for like add a Thursday or rather not Thursday. Add a Monday onto the show. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe combine it with a press conference day, one of the press conference days, and there you go. Give give media access to the show floor without any press or without any public for you know for that day and open to the public. That would solve the issue. Yep, sure would. Or even I'd take even like a morning or something. I mean, it opens at noon one day, like open at nine. I'd, yeah, like I'm willing to negotiate here. <laughs> and it's you know it's funny. Like I I I realize I probably come across like as or we may come across like entitled. Like yeah, like, you know I don't want to stand in lines to play these games. But I've said before, honestly, like show floors are my least favorite places to play games. Like I don't have that yeah. much. I can recognize how much fun I'll have with a game while playing on the show floor, but I'm not actually having that much fun playing it on the show floor. So it's more about getting coverage to you guys, like to everyone. Like it's more about, and not just for us, like for all media. Like it really yeah. is about getting coverage out there so everyone can, you know, ha- people who aren't at the show can understand like what is at the show and what we think of it. Um, so yeah, like that's really more what it's about. It's not that I just want to play these games, although, you know, it's part of it. But it's, you know, yeah. I'd much rather play these games at home. So it really is about getting coverage to you guys. And it's way tougher if, uh, you know, if we don't have a deployment for, or something or for something and we have to stand in a six hour line to get that coverage. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm surprised more. More uh, exhibitors don't have rooms with couches. I mean, that would be... I'm Bioware, they did it back in the day. Have have a room and a couch. Yep. They do well at E3. Um, I guess besides, beyond E3, uh, beyond E3 itself, we also like just hung out uh, both at uh, in LA and also back up in San Francisco when you were here. And that was fun. Yeah, and Plenty. I went down to Sunnyvale to see my brother, so that was pretty cool too. Yeah, how was that? Like, how, how it's funny. I've barely been to Sunnyvale, so and I've lived here for ten years. Yeah, <laughs> how was that? Well, it was pretty good. My, um, it's basically flat Pacifica in my view, <laughs> which is where I used to live for uh, six months or so before I moved to South San Francisco. Yeah, and uh, I'm just surprised, you know, here in the Vancouver area, all the like already fairly large houses have been knocked down and they have bigger houses there in in sunnyvale there was a lot of small one-story houses it's like they're happy with that or the price value hasn't skyrocketed enough for them to do that like i was it's surprising to see it's something i'm not used to like my brother's just staying in a one-story house and uh, I got to visit the Google campus and ride around in Google bikes so that was a really awesome experience. Good, yeah, because your brother works at Google now and uh, yeah. Google bikes a- are key. Like they're multicolored, they're like they're those little tiny adorable wheels and <laughs> it, they have a basket. They have a basket. Yeah, like it's perfect. Like they're meant, they're meant for so Googlers can ride around the campus and quickly get place to place. Um, I don't yep. think visitors are technically allowed on them, but I didn't let that stop me when I went a few years ago. <laughs> no, I didn't ask. <laughs> right, exactly. No one's checking, whatever. Um, and did you get try all the free food at Google? I did. It was like a health food day, though, so unless oh, they have healthy energy food all the time, though. I don't think they do. So apparently, you- <laughs> well, apparently they go around from building to building to like, get different food and... Uh, as my brother's friends put it, it's like zero world problems when they're complaining about how Google Texas has better food than a 
Google in California. Uh. <laughs> it's not first world problem. It's a zero world problem. It's not, yeah, highly impressed at the facilities there. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it is really impressive. But I think they designed it that way because they wanted to keep you at work like as long yeah. as possible. Like they don't want you going home. It's like, hey, why go home if we give you all your food? We'll do your laundry for you. And, you know, there's this pretty sweet bikes they can use to get around. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think the two highlights for me, Tom, post E3, uh, <gasps> with hanging out with you and your brother, were two things. Yeah. One, actually, I guess a few things, actually. Well, I, okay, <laughs> so pre-E3, we played even more Yono Jack, uh, or I played more Yono Jack with you guys, or um, the Jackbox 3 collection on, yeah. on Switch, which is amazing, by the way. That's such a fun game. If you know anyone that likes playing games for fun, like, get Jackbox 3. <laughs> That's a great game. Um, but also... The mini golf here that we went to. Oh, that was amazing. Except my brother destroyed us, and then you destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like to, we, in turn we each destroyed each other. Except you, I guess you you probably destroyed the kid behind you. There you go. I, I yeah, or the golf course, or the or the <laughs> golf course. Yeah, so this place is called Urban Putt. It's like just down the street from me, basically. It's a straight shot. We can walk there in like ten minutes, and it's an indoor golfing mini golf place. And they have I think fourteen holes. And it is just a blast. Like, it's a bar, and it has a bar inside, and also mini golf. Unfortunately, they no longer let you drink on the course, because people are spilling their drinks everywhere. <laughs> so, so now you have to drink, then go to the course. And each hole is, like, super unique. Like, you have some, like, like one's, like, in a submarine underwater. Another is, like, a virtual, like, arcade game, where you're, like, hitting the ball into this arcade cabinet. And the harder you hit it, the faster your ball goes. Even though, I swear to God... All of our balls were the exact same distance. Yeah, I think they yeah. changed that game how it initially worked. Um, and then another one is like you drop your ball into a table, and it's actually like a maze. Like you're tilted. It's like a Survivor game, like a Survivor TV show type game. We're tilting the maze to get your ball to the goal. It's not even mini golf at all, but it was awesome. And you race against the other player. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's a key part there. Yeah, that was fun. Um, and then also, I had the ultimate way to end E3, Tom, as you know, was starting yep. it was on the final day that you left. We got mimosas, like bottomless mimosas. <laughs> then we came back and did like all day double dash. And that was amazing. Yeah, that was worth, uh, I'll put it in quotes, waking up early for. That was uh, quite the ultimate last day there. That was pretty fun. And, and cor- oh, go ahead. Well, and uh, deep dish pizza too, even at the end. That's right. And then uh, United giving away my flight involuntarily. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's always. Yeah, but how long? Your flight was only delayed by what? An hour or something? Yeah, just an hour and 20 minutes okay, or so, that's, so. That's not too bad. So, Although I think they may still owe you compensation for that, so you may still want to look into that. So. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we could move on to the news, maybe. There isn't that much news. This is a post-E3 week. There's not much news usually post-E3, and I'll be honest, I haven't kept up too much on the news because I've been working on like other stuff like related to catching up on post-E3 stuff. Um, so this will, be, this will probably be pretty quick. But let's yeah. go. So let's go through these topic by topic real quick. Uh, first off, uh, an interview came out today from Waypoint, I believe, with Reggie saying a couple of things that were interesting. One, that there are more Switch games to be announced this year that we don't know about. Um, he didn't clarify whether they were first or third party, but he did say there are more Switch games coming. And he also reiterated that Animal Crossing Mobile is still coming this year as well. Thoughts, Tom. Well, at first I was going to say I was hoping a couple of things that he, he was going to kick ass and take names, but uh, I guess that's not Reggie anymore. Yeah, no, that's, that's 2004 era Reggie. He's long gone. But, yeah. Uh, but it's really great news that there'll be more Switch games coming this year. I mean, if there's smaller games like 
Maiden Wario. I, I would take Maiden Wario in his heartbeat. Hey, Nintendo, yeah. make Maiden Wario. Uh, or any, uh, no, WarioWare, I should say. Mm-hmm. I'd also take Maiden Wario. Um, yeah, that's great news. I mean, the lineup already seems to be wallet draining for me, so. And Animal Crossing Mobile, I need a new phone already, so I'll be ready for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. You probably won't even run on your current phone. Uh, Metopia barely ran on my current phone. It's like <laughs> slow motion. Oh, man. Uh, or Mitomo, right? Yeah, sorry, Mitomo, correct. Yeah. That other one that starts exactly the same. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm actually intrigued. I'm curious about what they're going to do with Animal Crossing Mobile. We've talked about this before. That one, I'm not, I really have no idea what they're going to do because they could do, I mean, they're not going to offer a full Animal Crossing experience because that would eat, eat into their main sales. Yeah. So the only thing I could think of something along the lines of, uh, uh, oh God, what was it? Animal Crossing, oh That's man, it. like apartment renting or whatever, <laughs> or like home decorating. I'm, I'm only thinking like happy home designer. Happy home designer. There we go. Uh, and like that, that experience doesn't seem like that compelling to me and they already have it on 3DS. I mean, they could just, they could just port it over and just pretend the 3DS one never happened. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, is there like an in between between those? Like, what else do you do? Maybe you just go around working for Tom Nook. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you design a house and people try to come over and buy it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> and you, it's just like real life, and then you realize the market's too high. Well, and uh, no, wait, I won't go there. <laughs> see, I mean, you're kind of touching on something there. Like, I could actually see something along those lines. Like, if they tied in like a housing market type thing, like or, you know, like a universal housing market type thing that affected these housing prices in the game. I don't know if they go that far, but I could see that for like a mobile game, right? Yeah, like Animal Animal Crossing Home Flipper or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and you just like you try to sell to your friends flipper. and like get other you have like an open house after it's all ready and you get the uh, other Animal Crossing characters over. I mean, cuz then you're only in the house and you only go to other houses. You're not actually outside. So right. that could be a way to get that middle ground. I kind of love that idea. Animal Crossing Happy Home Flipper. That that should be a thing now. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Switch was updated this week to was it three I think some update, and they added a bunch of new features, including one where you can find like your missing Joy Cons. Um, like if there's a Joy Con connected to it, and you don't know where it is. It can like vibrate, so you can so you can help find it. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff in there. There's like a grayscale mode now. I ha- I actually have not even had a chance to turn on my Switch since I got on back. So have you had a chance to check out this update at all, Tom? Or I just know I had to update my Switch in order to buy ARMS. I uh, I just saw the news today about the update. So I I love stuff like the Joy-Con Finder. That's a great idea. I mean, these are small enough. These are pretty small controllers, all things considered. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm all for them updating it. I'll just say I hope they keep updating it after a year and a half. That's all I'll say on that. <laughs> I mean, it is nice to say that they're already updating the Switch as quickly as they are. It's, we're only yeah. three months into the system's life, and we've already had a couple of pretty big updates, or I guess this, this might be the biggest update so far, but it feels like they have been pretty on top of, of adding to the system, which is great. Yeah. Uh, the key thing is I hope they don't add too much, or rather, well, I, I don't want them to add so much that the system starts bogging down. Because one yeah. of my favorite things about it is how quick it is. Like I love how seamless it is, and the last thing I want is then to go like to what we to like something like the Wii U that takes forever to boot up and just makes it me not want to play it. Yeah, or any phone ever in the world uh, like that. <laughs> Do you have any? Is there any feature you want them to add that they haven't yet? Like, is there any major thing? I'm feeling I haven't explored it fully enough yet because I've just been playing the games. I yeah. mean, uh, that's the main thing. 
I mean, they already have like putting pictures on Twitter. I'm already pretty impressed by that alone. So, well, there you go. How what? about actual voice chat? Yeah, voice well, that's chat. about that's supposed to be coming. The app should be coming soon. So yeah. hopefully, and they're. I mean, it better be. This Platoon Two. Holy crap! It's almost here. What the heck? How is Platoon Two almost here? It feels I'm like. It almost feels like we. It still feels like we don't really even know that much about that game. So, no, it's uh, that you know that's part of. We're so used to the sparse uh, release date schedule. This is they're really uh, stepping up to the plate this year with their the Switch. I'd say they are. I mean, they really are. Like I, the the support so far. Like I've seen some people out there be like, you know, the Switch needs more games. Like, what are you talking about? There are a ton of games on the Switch and still coming. I mean, I mean, you know, compared to, especially compared to like past Nintendo systems. Granted, yeah. there's still not like a ton of big third-party support, but we've had a ton of indie games, um, more on the way. And Nintendo's first-party support has been amazingly good for a first year for for a first year system from them. So, yeah, I mean, with Mario Kart, I was still good to play that for a few more months, probably, and here I am now. I have arms too, so I mean, can't complain. I'm still amazed that, Mar- that Mario is in October. I thought for sure that'd be a November game, and October is only four months away, which is also crazy to me. So, so y- what you're saying is that you have to finish the analysis before then? Yeah, basically. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, well, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, did we? Do you think that's because of Pokemon coming out in November? They're gonna actually try to spread it out, despite it being different. That might be it. I mean, that's possible. But we've had like dual release dates before with um, like Mario and Zelda for 3DS launching on the same day. Mario 3D World and Zelda uh, Link Between Worlds. Yeah. Uh, and those are pretty different too. So I feel like with Nintendo, I never I never fully understand them. Um, yep. I wonder if there might be a November game we don't know about. Or maybe they wanted more buffer between uh, between Mario and Xenoblade maybe. If Xenoblade does end up coming out in December. Yeah, and maybe to avoid the typical November crunch of uh, all the the third party games that always come out even on other systems just to avoid that noise yeah, that's a good point that that very well could be all right uh well another game coming up here pretty soon uh is sonic mania and we found out it's going to be it might be pretty much the biggest classic style song game yet in that they said it's going to have more stages than any classic song game which depending how you look at it i guess we all know the exactly what they meant by that but if you look at I think it was Sonic 2. Uh, I could be misremembering. I think it was Sonic 2 that had 21 levels, which, which would mean... Or Sonic, Sonic CD, mean, Or Sonic CD, yeah. Which means it would have uh, 22 or more levels. However, if you look at... If they're counting Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles as a single game, I believe they had 25 levels, meaning this Sonic Mania would have 26 or more levels. So no matter how you cut it, this is going to be a pretty big game. Uh, how excited are you for that, Tom? I, th- I think you're you're a previous song guy, right? Or you used to be at least. I'm. I well, I I'm not as big as Ash and Derek as a Sonic right. fan, but I, I yeah, I know. I mean, I think they had they would shave their hair to have like the Sonic <laughs> spikes if, when it's coming out. Uh, no, but I'm really excited for this game. But this is a bit worrying because you can only have so much, so many creative ideas. And if you make something big enough, you you know, eventually there's going to be low points in the game. I mean, that that's the worrying part to me. If they have like 26 plus levels, if they're going to be able to keep that level of creativity. Now, it is possible in a game. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4, after all, was like 20 hours long. And that 
didn't really ever slow down in terms of pace, so or in terms of new ideas. So eh, you know, it's like it's good, but it, I think it's also bad in a way. That's my view. I see where you're coming from, but based on the ones we've seen so far, like it feels like they are like they all feel pr- they've all looked pretty strong to me. Even the ones based on the classic zones from you know from what I know as me being you know I'm not yeah. a huge song guy either, but. Uh, it looks like even the classic zones like seem to be updated enough that they that they feel new and fresh. So I'm not yeah. too concerned with with it not feeling different enough. Um, although I mean, Sonic Sonic's gameplay has historically been more limited than Mario, for instance. Yeah. So I guess that you know it's always to some degree a concern, but I'm not particularly worried. Like it does seem like they are kind of doing everything they need to to make this the best classic style song game they can. So you mean the best Sonic game they can? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's pretty much redundant. Um, let's see here. I guess the only other really big news I kind of want to touch on here, maybe, is uh, is uh, Kotaku had an article about E3 security and how mm-hmm. it may not quite be up to like what it should be, especially with it now being open to the public. Apparently, at one point, some person collapsed or outside the. Like the main hall doors, and like they're having a seizure, and like a security guy didn't even do anything about it at all. Uh, they mentioned how there's no bag checks or metal d- detectors at all, um, which is a, which is a little bit weird considering, like coming from shows such as, or rather, like I had just gone to Disneyland the day before, and they have metal detectors at yeah. Disneyland now, which is still weird to me. But uh, like, and Disneyland, does, wow. Disneyland, and Disneyland has been doing bag checks for a decade now at least. So, um, and E3 does none of that. But although at the same time, I don't think PAX does either. Like, I've never had any trouble walking into packs ever with backpacks yep. or anything. They always have people checking badges. That's about it. And I don't think they have different doors. But, yeah, there's no metal detectors and no bag checks. So, yeah. packs is pretty much the same boat with more people. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I didn't th- I mean, so, for, so I, I can only speak from my perspective, of course. I mean, I didn't, from what I saw, it seemed in line with past years. It didn't seem horrible. The only thing that annoyed me a little bit was... Um, so I managed to lose my badge within the first 20 minutes. And they have signs telling you, hey, if you lose your badge, you're basically screwed. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Because yeah. I didn't do anything to lose my badge. It got knocked off of me, basically, at some point in the Nintendo booth. I didn't even realize it. So someone just took my badge, and it never ended up at Lost and Found. So I don't know if someone ended up selling it or whatnot. Luckily, I was able to get a wristband instead. Um, so I wore that. However, it, day one, like, no one, no one, like, all the security, they were not on the same page. They came to the wristbands. There were a couple of times where I had issues getting back into the show floor. Luckily, yeah. I was able, you know, they were able to figure it out eventually. And by day, by days two and three, they mostly had it figured out. But that's really the biggest issue. Is like when it comes to like, uh, sometimes like uh, anything like outside the very limited circumstance that they've been prepared for, they have no idea what to do. And we kind of saw it and could talk a touch on that with the the health incident that happened there. Like they didn't seem to be trained for that, and that's something they probably should be trained on. But that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Just waiting there while guys potentially dying on the floor. Like yeah. maybe you should have some medics on site. I guess. Right. Yeah, that would be that would. Or yeah, yeah. At least, yeah, at least someone should be calling the medics. I mean, there, and there is a security like by the West Hall. At least they have this. There's a security room right next to the entrance into the hall, and I think they have some like medical supplies there. So that is kind of surprising. They had those issues. Also, security in general, I will say, like, if you want, maybe I shouldn't say this, like, if you want to get onto the show floor, like, really bad, it's probably not that tough. Like, nope. because it's, especially in the morning, they barely check. 
Like all, like they don't have time to check everyone, so you just kind of merge into there and you can get in. Um, also, I really shouldn't be saying this, but uh, also like if you just distract one of the people, like have someone start asking them questions, like people will start walking in. So I'm yeah. sure tons of people go on the show floor that way without you know without intending to. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious to find out which ones actually sort of scan the badges and stuff. And I mean, if you, yeah, if you really want to get in, just go in in the morning during the big rush. Apparently, one indie guy just didn't even show his badge every single day and just whoop, walked yeah. right in, no problem. Just look confident. All three days. That's it. Yep. Exactly. Just look confident. Uh, but I have a feeling they they probably will tighten. They, I think they will continue to tighten it up. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets to the point where they actually do start scanning badges. I'm surprised they don't already. Um, but that would. That would make it, or that would, you know, at least make it harder to sneak your way in, so. Maybe metal detectors next year. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I will say, you know what, as one who, like, who values, like, you know, liberty and also acknowledges the most security is security theater, it, to me, it was kind of like a, I, like, I didn't mind not being screened. No bombs went off. No one died, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, the thi- like, the thing is, when it comes to stuff like this, if someone wants to screw up your day bad enough, they can. Like, inst- like okay, for instance, let's say there were metal detectors there, right? You'd have a huge line, well, much as they do already, in the in the beginning, you know, before the doors officially open. You yeah. just, you, if someone wanted to cause havoc, you would just do it there. Like, yep. and same thing at same thing at the airport. If you want to cause havoc, do it right outside the TSA checkpoint before they checked you. Oh, you know, there you go. Still maybe, I should, maybe I should be giving these ideas. <laughs> no, this is like uh, I believe Tom Clancy did this in one of his books uh, before. Okay, 9/11, good. Yes, I'm, all, so. I'm all the book. I mean, so yeah. I come from, from from the perspective most security is BS. It's mostly security theater. So I like that I didn't have to like open my bag every time and show the same boring contents every time. It'd be slowed down by that process. Like to me, like going to Disneyland. So okay, so when I went to Disney World about I guess almost a year ago, they also had metal detectors there. But they they would randomly pull people aside for the metal detector, and I hated that. Like it's like this is, this should be a magical place, or like they advertise as a magical place, like an escape from the real world, right? And yet I'm being pulled out of line, uh, you know, away from my family, for instance, to go through the metal detector. And so my my perspective is either everyone goes through them or no one goes through them. Like yeah, figure yeah, that's- it out. What? Well, figure out. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that's crap. They pulled you aside, and- right? <laughs> so I got, I actually got in a big argument with the security guy. There it was like twenty minutes. Well, my yeah. poor family was like waiting for me. It's like, oh, Andre's being a jackass again. Defend, you know, with his principles. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got into like, I'm like, why did you, why did you pick me? Like, how do I know this is actually random? Um, yeah. So I think like Universal actually does this right. Where literally everyone goes through the security uh, through the um, metal detector. And while I still think it's you know, largely still security theater. At least they are sending everyone through, um, and that makes way more sense than just haphazardly choosing people at random. So, I, I to be honest, I'm disappointed at Disney in this one. I mean, this is Disney; they're great at masking the real world, right? Why aren't you on some sort of ride that goes in like a fun little scanner through a tunnel, <laughs> and it's like, oh, we're getting this is like analyzing to see if we can go into orbit or something or into the magical world we're getting rid of reality i don't know do something like that i mean come on disney you get it tom you get it exactly (laughs) disney should be on top of this but instead like you know you're waiting on the sun like to get through these security lines yeah that could be much improved so otherwise i still love disney but that's the one thing that's the one thing they could definitely improve on and cars and (laughs) what the car is Which side note? I'm apparently seeing this weekend, by the way, because I hate myself. So, oh well, I mean, you just gotta do it. I mean, it's like it's like voting, right? If you don't vote, you can't complain. Uh, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, that's kind of true. 
Alright, well, I think that's mostly the news. As I mentioned, not a ton to talk about. Post E3 is usually boring, and um, I also didn't just keep up too much on the news. So there you go. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the Patreon topics, where just for $1 a month, if you back us on Patreon, you can uh, not only suggest, suggest topics to us, the very topics we'll be picking from right now, but you can also access this podcast three days early. So if you did such, you'd be listening to this on Friday, as opposed to Monday, like all these other poor schlubs out there. No, I'm kidding. I love all of you out there. You're all... You're all... Amazing to me. Every one of you. <laughs> They're going to say you're all slubs. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, let's start off with one of your topics. I think we may have time. There's only two of us. We probably have time to do two, two topics each. I want to hear your first topic. What do you have for us? All right. This is from Adam Harris. He says, hey, guys, with it being your 64th podcast and the 21st birthday of the Nintendo 64. That is amazing, s- by the way. Y- Dang, that timing's perfect. Yeah. Uh, in, in Japan, <laughs> by the way. In Japan, specifically. Yeah. But yeah. still, I mean... Yeah, that's crazy timing. Now seems like a good time to talk about your favorite and least favorite Nintendo 64 games. Thanks for the amazing E3 E3 coverage. You guys are the best. Wow. Uh, Well, thank you, Adam. All right. uh, Do you want to start off with your favorites? Okay. uh, Yeah, mine will be pretty quick, but I've I've belabored this point so many times. I mean, is this one favorite or multiple? Uh, I think you can do multiple. He said... Okay. Well, he did say your favorite, but... I say uh, do a handful. All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll list two then, I think. Okay. okay, yeah. So, first one, of course, Mario 64. I said before, it's, that might be my favorite game of all time. I love that game. It was revolutionary when it came out. It blew my mind as a kid. I don't mm-hmm. think I'll, I'll ever have another experience like that uh, as I did with Mario 64 as, uh, you know, when I was growing up. I just don't yep. think it's possible. That game blew my freaking mind, and I don't think I'll ever see this, something like that again, which disappoints me. At the same time, that game was amazing, and if anything ever gets close, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, Mario, Mario Galaxy did get close for me, and we'll see if Mario Odyssey gets uh, somewhere close, too. Uh, second favorite, maybe... that. Oh, man, this is where it gets tough. I would say maybe Majora's Mask, which I've also talked about, or Banjo-Kazooie. I love Banjo-Kazooie, and I actually talk about, we actually talk about that a lot more in a Mario discussion going up, uh, very soon, if not already, by the time you're hearing this. So, or Mario Odyssey discussions. Stay tuned for that, or go watch it now, because it's probably up. Least favorite? I think that we might share this. I don't know, maybe not. But it has to be Superman. My god, Superman is a horrible oh. freaking game. That game is god-awful. Skylar actually owned that game, because he loves Superman. And that game is just <laughs> horrible. You can only see, like, ten feet in front of you. The controls are garbage. It had, like, a terrible story. The boring missions where you fly through rings, so that's all you do is just fly through rings with terrible controls. That game was garbage. At the same time, it was kind of amazing for that, because of how garbage it was, it was kind of amazing. Like, it was yeah. fun just to sit back and just make fun of how terrible that game was. Yeah, that's uh, that's way up there. I, I uh, managed not to play it too much, so it didn't affect my uh, life entirely, <laughs> But because uh, I already knew it was pure garbage. I just <laughs> had to see a small snippet of it, so yeah. Just like uh, how I didn't see Batman versus Superman. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Wise choice. Okay, uh, for me, I guess Nintendo 64 was that Mario 64, definitely a game changer, as you could say. I've probably beat that at least four times during the N64 era. But not 64 times. Not 64 times, lifetime. <laughs> I moved on to other Mario games. and Yeah, that game... Even though the graphics, I guess, weren't that good, just you'd be Mario looking around, and I don't know, it was just unbelievable how it was. Even looking back with like controlling the camera and stuff, and maybe having difficulties, just 
is it was so different than everything else even though i guess there were a handful of 3d games it just nailed everything in terms in terms of what we thought was possible and what we needed uh my second favorite game that's a gray area but uh that's not a game I, yeah i know the gray area of the game i'll go <laughs> i'll go i love banjo kazooie i'll go jet force gemini for something different Okay. Wow, his second favorite, really, Jeff Force Gemini. Well, like I wanted to give a nod to Rare were there. I mean, I loved uh, Ocarina of Time. That was uh, outstanding. That was probably the first game where it felt like the graphics were all there, and it's like, how could this ever get any better? Uh, I'm gonna give a call- shout out here to Jet Force Gemini. Just little tribals uh, getting squashed by the spaceship. Um, it was. I don't know, at the time, I think it was kind of a lull in the N64, and it was really uh, something different that we didn't really see that often on it, the third-person third person shooter. So, and I think maybe an underrated rare game, too. It had so. that crazy control scheme, too, where like the camera would stay zoomed out, and it played more like a platforming game, in a way, or a little bit more platforming-esque, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but then if you wanted to start aiming, you held R, the camera would zoom in, and that would turn it into like truck style controls, where you aim, where you move to the C buttons and it aimed with a control stick, whereas otherwise you were aim, moving with a control stick and the C buttons were like strafing or whatnot. So yeah, and uh, it had those little arcades hidden away, and I remember traveling to the edges of one level, and there was like a dance floor with the end. An- that was fun. And it had one of the arcade games with that Diddy Kong was a stage from Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, so I mean, I just love those those little touches to the game. It had now, yeah, it has some yeah. great Easter eggs. Yeah, and I guess so. We went over Super Nintendo sixty four for least favorite N sixty four game, but in my mind, for one, I wanted to love, but in the end, like it had its moments, but also was terrible at the same time. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw out Turok two under the bus here. Oh really? <laughs> Turok two was a great game. And it had many innovative ideas, but it tried to push the envelope too far. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess like its least favorite in that I had such high expectations for it and what it turned out to be. And maybe it was like one of the last... Well, I guess Acclaim had some good games in the Dreamcast era, but one of the last ones. And, you know, there was that level with the mother boss in it. I think I remember running around that level uh, with my brother passing out the controller for like four hours or something oh, like man. that like the levels just kind of looked the same so out of all the games i had on my shelf when i took a look down there earlier i like i would say i wouldn't want to go back to play that game more than 15 minutes or something really. those those levels were huge and sprawling and yeah. i don't think i ever got past level two i think i was always happy whenever i got just past level one even but you need to find yeah. like those little girls right they're like five little girls or something yeah and level one was uh, sort of that brick texture to it, and with the fog, I mean, that was that was an easy one to get lost into. To their credit, the fog at least was way better than in Turok One, but oh, yeah, that, yeah, but the frame rate sucked by comparison, so it was a trade off. Yeah. yeah, definite trade off there, even with the expansion pack. I will say I do remember being really impressed by the AI though, especially yes. I remember like you could shoot like an arrow, and if you missed an enemy. They would look at where the enema, where the enema, <laughs> they would look at where <laughs> the arrow. That was quite the, that's not a new Turok weapon, like Sleepable Bore, the 
anima, <laughs> anima, anima rifle. <laughs> oh my god, that totally is a Turok weapon. Um, but they'll look at where the arrow landed, and they'll look at where it came from, and then they would see you in the process. That was really cool, I thought. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or Disable War, and then like, trying to run away from it. So, just as I'm saying at least favorite, but just when I look, took a look at my shelf out of all the games there, like to have over 20 N64 games still there and you know there were so many good ones even though the N64 didn't have that many games it's just out of all those this would probably be like the one that had the worst memories for me right I mean we're talking about your personal library because yeah not the library in general but there are a lot of garbage 64 games so yeah all right I'm sure there's worse third-party games well on that topic I guess uh I'll go into one of mine here, and I didn't realize how similar this was to that one at first, so this is going to be a little bit similar. But Joe asks, in honor of podcast number 64, what is your fondest memory of the Nintendo 64? And he says, for me, that will be exploring the huge world of Majora's Mask. He put huge in quotes, because it's no longer yeah. huge, but it did seem that way as a kid. Although I would say that Ocarina of Time, that, like for me, Ocarina of Time was more that, because that felt huge. Majora's yeah. Mask actually felt more, uh, more uh, condensed, actually, for me. Yeah. Um, but that might have been his first Zelda, so I can totally see that. Or first N64 Zelda, or 3D Zelda, I should say. I mean, for me, I mean, my, my favorite moment was, like, it was coming home with Nintendo 64. Like, so my dad ran an insurance agency, and one of his clients worked at Nintendo, and he graciously offered to hook me up with Nintendo a week before it came out. So we were able to go to Nintendo, he gave us, like, a tour, I got my, my Nintendo 64 a week early, uh, for at a discount with Mario 64, we're driving home. I still remember the drive home. I put up. I was so happy. I put my 64 up on the like the dash, like as if anyone could see it. You know, I want to show the world. Like it's like hell yeah, look at me. I got a 64. And I remember like just I had never been that excited for anything. I think in my life up to that point, I was so excited to get home, just play Mario, and turning off for the first time. Holy crap! Like I remember just playing around outside the castle. Like that for me, as I said earlier, was like a mind blowing experience. Like, I, I don't think, I mean, I said it already, I'm saying it again. I'm, I straight up will never have that experience with the game again. I think partially because, I mean, for a couple reasons. One, I was at, like, the perfect age for it. Like, where, at that age, like, still everything is kind of, like, you know, everything is, like, impresses you in a way that you can't when you're, like, you're a cynical old bastard like I am now. <laughs> uh, but also, like, that game truly was something else. And I, like, short of, like, a game tapping directly into your brain, I don't think how I could ever have that possibly again. So, yeah, that for me was, like, my favorite 64 memory was just, like, the whole, just everything related to, like, Mario 64 and playing it for the first time. Yeah, VR, for instance, is pretty close in terms of that, like, it it's gravitates towards that feeling, right. but the that's controls just aren't there. Yeah, that, really. yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the, the I, VR is both really impressive and also limiting, you know, surprisingly limiting at the same time. So, like, if you want the full effect of VR, you're kind of, like, restricted to playing in a room, for instance, right? So you can't... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there's pros and cons with it. Yeah, and for me, the fondest memory of N64 is probably playing, well, the four-player games, and I guess particularly the first one being uh, four-player Mario Kart 64. I mean, it was, it costs, like, an arm and a leg to eventually get all the, all four controllers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I think remember getting third-party ones, but just to have those moments with friends that were like not just a two-player game, but a four-player game all at the same time, and you know, like just yelling at each other. Uh, that would probably be the fondest memories I had uh, from a single-player game. It was possibly beating the first Whiz Pig because oh. I think I was trying. To, I think I was stuck in him for a few days. 
I remember like blaming my brother at one point that he was in the room because we should die. And just like, yeah, just like jumping up and probably hitting the roof with my hand. <laughs> people, I don't know what, like, you, people these days don't appreciate how freaking tough Wizpig was, especially because in this day and age, we had no idea about the fact that if you wanted a faster boost, you had yeah. to let your thumb off the, uh, the boost, or you, uh, you had to let your thumb off the gas. In order to get a faster boost. And that made yeah. Wizpig way easier. I mean, still really freaking tough, but way easier. Yeah, and just how epic that stage was. And yeah, now you just, oh, well, oh, oh, I'm having no trouble. I'll just go on the internet and see a video. Like, video on the internet barely existed then, if any. Like, maybe IGN had 320 by 200 videos that were, like, less than a minute long, so. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good one. Wizpig is a good one. Like, that, he was tough. Like, he was... He was a real deal when you got to him. And that I lo- was, yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say that. It felt like quite the accomplishment to actually beat him. And I love they touch on the, the multiplayer gaming of the 64. But I really have so many memories of that. Like, I remember, like, racing home from school with my friends. Well, primarily watch a Pokemon cartoon. But also, <laughs> right after, we would play, like, Smash Brothers or Mario Kart or something. Like, that was just so fun. Like, they call, like the tagline in the U.S. was the fun machine. And it really was. Like, when it came to multiplayer gaming... I don't think any system has a lineup as good as the 64 was. And also, it had four controller ports built, built in. The first system to have that at that point. And that was just amazing. Yep, like everyone loved PlayStation. Like a lot of my friends, they all have PlayStation. But everyone at the same time played GoldenEye. Yep. That, like that was the one that really got him into it. Exactly. All right, Tom, what's your next topic? Okay, my next topic is from Ryan Wolter. Oh, wait, no, uh, we kind of touched on this already. He's asking about E3 being open to the public. So let me choose one more topic. <laughs> All right. It's like we already answered this. <laughs> okay, I will go with... <laughs> oh, man, this is tough. Oh, man. Okay, I'll just, I'll just, I'm just going to go with this one because I'm interested to see what you're going to say. Real-time topic selection. This is something yep. new for her. Yeah. <laughs> Soon Lee Lore. And I'm okay. sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Hey, GX. For once, I don't have to wake up early to ask a question. I'm from Australia. <laughs> That's nice. Since Nintendo has resurrected the Metroid series after seven years with Samus Returns and Prime 4, what other IPs would you want Nintendo to revive? I would say Advanced Wars and Kid Icarus are near the top of my list. Thank you for all your hard work during E3. Well, Stories FX. <laughs> Stories FX. Well, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I got ahead of myself. Or of yourself. Oh, I was hoping to think more about this during your answer, but now I'm... Can I just say you start making another Metroid now so I don't have to wait seven years? <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I respect that answer. No, I was going to say I do agree with Advanced Wars. Uh, I love Advanced Wars at the time. Uh, I did say Duck Hunt, I believe, around E3. So since we get to say this again, I guess, um, Punch-Out was revived a bit earlier. Uh, I'm going to go Punch-Out and Punch-Out and Mario Paint. Because I missed out on Mario Paint. I want to see Mario Paint. That's a good one. All right, I like that answer. Yeah. 
So I, I have a few different ones. So I have Storm of X, of course, which I know would never come back. I hope it does. I thought no, that was wait, a wait, fun. Wait, wait, oh. I'm gonna oh. say you you answered already. I'm sorry. We have to move on. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna start Continue. crying. <laughs> so Continue. I mean, I just thought that was a fun game. Like I like the loose physics. I liked how you could hop over other cars like to get past them. I think there's a lot more they could do with that idea. Like go like a balls to the wall. Like kind of combine Excite Truck with the physics of Stone Race FX. That could be a really fun game. I think. And what else is Monster Games up to, right? They should make that game. I wonder um, if they're just twiddling their thumbs for a few years now. Like. <laughs> I know, it seems that way. I wonder if they're working on something big, though. I guess, well, they, yeah, we, we haven't seen what they're doing since Dark Moon, have we? So, or, no, oh, no, sorry, NST made Dark Moon. So, what the hell has Monster Games been up to? They might have ported a game or helped. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's why I got confused. They, they did do Donkey Kong Country Returns on 3DS. Yes. Have they done anything since then? I don't know. Anyways, do, yeah. point still stands regardless. I don't care what they're making. They should make that. Uh, also, I don't know if this quite fits the spirit of this question, but I'm going to say it does, and that's they should make a good Mario Party again because it's been so long <laughs> since they had a good Mario Party, and the Switch is a perfect platform for it. That would be so fun. Please make Mario Party good again. What if it was like Jackbox and you had to use your phone to play it? That, no. I want, I want real controls. <laughs> I definitely want real controls for Mario Party. I want Joy-Con support, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then same thing for Mario Tennis. I want a good Mario Tennis again. <laughs> oh man. That yeah. the, the mini games and that alone. Right? So good. They were fun. What was All it? Right. Chain Chomps on a treadmill. Was that one? That was one. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah, I think that was tennis. Yeah, that was that was really fun. I mean they used to have like those sports games used to have those like amazing mini games, they used to have those really fun intros. Yeah. And now they have like they're just like half-assed across the board. There's no cool intro. There's, the mini games are minimal, and the gameplay itself usually isn't, isn't that strong either. Like they're missing the bone in all three. I don't know what's going on there. Minimal. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, I, let's let's do two birds, one stone. Let's have Mario Tennis Party. I like your yes. Let's do it. Winner. Yeah, you have to get to like the world number one at the end of the uh, at the game. So there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Perfect. I like it. All right. Final topic here from Jared asks... I think it's the final topic, right? Yeah. Yep. Hi, guys. I really want to know what you guys think of the Beyond Good and Evil 2 trailer. I was hoping to hear you guys touch on it after bringing it up a lot in these podcasts. Thanks. So, have you had the chance to watch this yet, Tom? I did. I got to... I saw on Twitter right after the Ubisoft conference that they actually showed it off. So, I'm like, Derek, Derek, stop, stop working. Got to watch it. That's... Okay, that's kind of awesome. So, for yeah. me... I was in Disneyland when this was happening, and I saw like a tweet, like some tweets being like, "Oh, why is Andre? Why is it Andre at Disneyland? He's not talking about Beyond Good and Evil 2. They showed the trailer, and I figured I thought they were joking. I'm like, "There's no way they showed a trailer. This game doesn't exist, even yeah. though they said it does. There's no way it exists." And they showed the trailer, and I still, for whatever reason, I still didn't watch it until a couple days ago because my friend is telling me he's like, "Dude, you gotta watch a trailer. Like, there, like, there's these characters like just swearing up a storm in it." I'm like, "What the hell? Or right, I gotta check this out." So I watch a trailer and. I'm confused. I don't know what to think. I like what I saw, but I don't think it's what I wanted. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually really like what I saw. And actually, IGN today released a trail or released a gameplay video showing off like an early demo of the game, and it looks really cool. Like I like what I, I like what I'm seeing. Like I'm actually pretty excited for that game. At the same time, like it's supposed to be a prequel to Beyond Good and Evil, 
But that's not what I wanted in, in Beyond Good and Evil. Like, none of the characters are here from what we can tell. It does take place in the same world, and I like that. Like, I do like the world, and it seems like they're doing a pretty good job capturing the, the feel of the world. But I really wanted to know, you know, I, 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 well, two things. I wanted to see the conclusion or more of Jade and uh, Paige's story, especially with a cliffhanger at the end mm-hmm. of Beyond Good and Evil. And also, um, you know, I, I wanted a game in that vein. You know, like a Zelda light type game or a Zelda style game where you are exploring this world as these fun characters. And I guess there's still some of that here potentially, but it's not what I wanted. So this, so here's what I'm thinking. This is really the Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts of Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah, that's an excellent way to put it. I mean, the thing is like this type of game that's kind of different than what you expect. Awesome. You know, it's awesome that these types of games exist. However, We've only had one Beyond Good and Evil. Right. And it's been, what, how, well over a decade? I mean, it's, well uh, yeah, so it's, we, it's okay to make a sequel. Like, you can make a sequel. You don't have to, like, do some weird nuts and bolts spinoff. If this was Zelda or, like, some Nintendo universe that, you know, has a game every five years, like, hey, we're doing this spinoff. Like, great. Right. But here in this situation, it just, it feels a bit weird. It, it does feel weird. Like, this is... Yeah, I mean, at least Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts had Banjo and Kazooie. This doesn't even have Jade or Paige or yep. Double H or anyone. Um, so, yeah. So, I, on the one hand, like, I really like what I see. I want to play that game. On the other hand, it's like, man, this is not the game I've been waiting for for 15 years now. And and the game still isn't even anywhere close to being done. So, uh, so, I have to wait longer for a game that I didn't even want originally, although I do want it now, but not for the reasons I wanted the original version of this game. So, it's weird. This is I'm very conflicted on this. Yeah, and originally we had the video, like the released footage that was unofficial of Jade like, running, doing parkour through buildings and stuff. So, right. like, that would have been awesome. Yeah, um, so, I guess we're going to get a good game, but just sometimes, yeah, it's different than what we expect, and you know, Michael Ansel, I believe he had tears on stage when finally getting to show it off. So maybe that kind of tells about all the hardship and maybe he's gone through a few iterations of Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, I know. I'm sure they have. Point. So it's just, uh, I just wish it followed the Resident Evil 4 model, get all the uh, template or get all the ideas for it out of the way in the first like year or two instead of the first 15 years. Yeah, I guess iteration and creativity is hard. So I guess we'll, you know, it looks like it'll be really good. I guess it's trying to follow a current trend of it is multiplayer. You know, that was kind of surprising. Uh, let's, uh, you know, let's actually see what it's like when we play it. And uh, better than better than nothing, too, yeah. for instance. So you, you definitely should. I don't think you've seen the IGN demo yet. Definitely give yeah. that a watch because I know you I know you already like what you've seen. Definitely yeah. give that a watch because it actually makes the game look freaking awesome. It's just, again, it's in this weird nuts and bolts place where it's like i want this but it's also not what i wanted so yeah it's, it almost feels like it could have been its own brand new ip again much like nuts and bolts yeah so you're saying basically that both of us will like it after like playing it for six hours but the rest of the world will not play that six hours and not like it yeah <laughs> make, I, I hope not because that means we'll never get be, uh, be, uh, beyond good evil 3 so yeah i don't want to think about that oh man no, that's, that's a that, dark dark future <laughs> that's beyond 
Beyond Good and Evil. <laughs> and on that note, that's a perfect time to wrap this up. So thanks so much for listening to episode 64 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. Again, if you liked what you listened, consider subscribing on Patreon or backing us on Patreon for just $1 a month to get this you get access to the podcast three days early, as well as the ability to suggest topics to us, as well as the ability to hear me stumble over the closing of this podcast. <laughs> every week um and yeah i'm done here i i'm i don't know how to close this so just roll with it like a goron uh, there we go that's the best way to end it so thanks for watching guys or listening i guess it's a podcast not a video and bye <laughs>